You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the Becca Cook Show. I'm Becca Cook, and today I want to look at how the theft of pears versus the theft of asparagus had a profound and dramatic effect on how we understand human nature, how we understand ourselves, how we even understand public policy and crime and punishment and education and even the LGBTQ plus uh, movement. And so I want to get back into this book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman and get into his chapter on Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the 18th century Genevan philosopher. And in this chapter, he compares Jean-Jacques Rousseau to the fourth century church father, St. Augustine. And both Augustine and Rousseau wrote books, wrote memoirs, basically, called Confessions. This is Augustine's Confessions, which is amazing if you haven't read it. I've read it a couple times. It is, it's so brilliant. You must read it. And of course, Augustine was one of the, if not the most, one of the most uh, influential church fathers in church history. And his, his teachings still influence the church today, especially in the West. And Jean-Jacques Rousseau wrote his confessions in the 18th century. I don't have a hard copy of it, but it'll pop up here. There it goes. And he wrote his confessions, and his confessions are very different from Augustine's confessions. And so let's just take a look first at Augustine and his theft of pears. So when Augustine was a young boy, he and his friends broke into a neighbor's garden late at night, and they stole pears from a tree. And the pears weren't really attractive or they, and they weren't tasty, but they just stole them just basically for the fun of it. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because Augustine had his own pears in his own garden. So basically this incident really informed, it really kind of woke Augustine up to sin and he understood from this experience that he was innately sinful, that he was innately wicked. In other words, this is where Augustine understands original sin. And so Augustine wasn't motivated by greed. He was the, the, the theft of these pears were just uh, delightful in the, in the, kind of fun of it just for the laughter of his friends. It's just like, like young boys do, you know, stealing something and have, and, you know, and laughing about it. That's what, that's what happened with Augustine. And that's how he understood that he was innately wicked, that he was by nature, a wicked human being. 
And of course, that has been the foundation. The understanding of original sin has been the foundation of the Christian church for two millennia. But the difference is in Rousseau's confession, Rousseau stole, he had a, a local man named Verat asked him to steal his mother's asparagus, not pears, but asparagus. And, and Rousseau obliged this, this man and he stole the asparagus, but he, this incident, in this incident and Rousseau's life and his confessions had a profound effect on him too, because he, he realized that the reason he stole the asparagus was not because he was greedy, but because he wanted to help this man and because he felt obliged by this external force, by this person outside, he felt obliged to steal the asparagus to satisfy this man, Virat. So with Rousseau, he was not driven by some inward impulse that was intrinsically sinful, according to him, but by a good desire that led him to perform a sinful act. He stole the asparagus to help Verat. The desire was basically a good one, according to Rousseau. And this, this is so important in the understanding of Rousseau's view of the nature of human corruption as something that is created and fostered by social conditions, not something to be considered innate. So that's the huge, huge difference between Rousseau and, and, and Augustine. And Rousseau says that his crime was the result of social pressure, not some internal tendency to depravity. So on, on the one hand, Augustine understands his depravity because he stole the pears. But with Rousseau, he doesn't believe that there's an internal depravity because he stole the asparagus. That's the huge difference. And that difference has such a profound effect on where we are today in culture and how we understand everything. And so we're going to get into that a little in more detail. Um, so uh, again, society is to blame for Rousseau's sin, basically. Uh, society is to blame for his transgression. And remember, Rousseau, Rousseau's philosophy is that man in the state of nature is good. So kind of the noble savage. Man in his, his original state was good. But what corrupts him is society. So once man enters into society, he becomes inauthentic. He's no longer his true self, and <clears throat> he's corrupted by the society that surrounds him. So again, in, in Rousseau's man who lives, man in the state of nature, it was a time when human beings had simple desires connected to simple needs that were simply satisfied. There was no disconnect between what individuals thought or wanted or how they behaved. So there was no disconnect. So humans in the state of nature. Now, it's important to understand that Rousseau, when he's talking about this, the man in the state of nature, he's not necessarily talking about an actual historical epoch or an actual historical period of time. He is just using this really as a thought experiment. 
this kind of man in a state of nature. But man in a state of nature, there's there's no disconnect between who he is and how he presents himself. So there's no inauthenticity. So for Rousseau, the problematic aspects of human behavior come not as a result of some innate perversion that corrupts men from birth, but rather that of existing in a social environment with others. So coming into contact with other human beings is what corrupts humans. And again, according to Rousseau, it's not innate depravity. It's not sinful, a sinful nature that man is born with. It is the society around him that corrupts him, this noble savage. And Rousseau talks about sentimental or emotional responses that human beings have. So the man in the state of nature has the correct sentimental or emotional response but it gets corrupted with society. And so that's why education for Rousseau is completely the opposite of a classical education because a classical education is what corrupts man. It's what corrupts human beings. So the purpose of education for Rousseau, and this has huge implications for School, the school system today. I mean, this Rousseau is basically running public schools in America today. So according to Rousseau, the purpose of education is allowing the person to mature in a manner that protects him from precisely the cultural influences that traditional schooling is designed to cultivate and that merely inflame bad behavior. And this is very different from traditional education or classical education, where the purpose is the training of individuals and intellectual, social, and moral competencies that are necessary for being a part of society. So in our education, when I was growing up, and I I, I was taught by Jesuit, Jesuits, and so it was a very much a classical education. And Basically, the purpose of that education is to help you to be a productive member of society, to be competent in society. Whereas with Rousseau, that's the it's the complete opposite. Uh, the that kind of education corrupts a child, and that's why you see so many schools. I mean, there's a school in Santa Monica. It's called friends or friendship school. And it's all about, it's the opposite of a classical education. It's a total Rousseauian education. And, uh, and you see its effects today. You see, even in university, in universities, this, this is the kind of education that we're seeing take place. It's all from Rousseau, not from Augustine. And so again, Rousseau does not regard human beings as innately perverted. For Augustine, however, it is precisely the fact that human beings are born depraved and subject to internal moral conflict and confusion that renders sentiment, that Rousseauian sentiment, and instinct as unreliable and even deceptive. I mean, if you just look at Jeremiah 17, of course, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
So biblically, our hearts are wicked and deceptive. But according to Rousseau, human beings are intrinsically good with sentiments or emotions that are properly ordered and attuned to ethical ends and until they are corrupted by the forces of society. And that's why you see with, with Rousseau, I mean, we're living in an age of Rousseau and politicians um, are very much Rousseauians. And that's why, that's why, in kind of the the liberal understanding of of politics the the job of the government that's why there's big government because the job of the government is to help uh mitigate the the problematic effects that society has on the man of nature that on the on the the noble savage so it's it's government's job to help mitigate that that situation and that's why you see you know the the just the new da of of los angeles is um george gascon and he's letting murderers and pedophiles out of prison but you, you if you understand he's a he's a true rousseauian because if you understand rousseau you know that those people who committed those crimes, it's not really their fault. It's the fault of society. And so it's, it's the government's job to help correct that. It's not, there's no personal responsibility with Rousseau. It's basically it's, it's society is, is to blame. So that's why we see in universities and, and, and on campuses and, and even in high schools and elementary schools, people, are constantly looking outward and blaming their professors or blaming the universities or having, again, having these meltdowns on campuses because it's not their personal responsibility. It's not their innate wickedness. It's not their sinful nature that's causing the problem. It's the outside force. It's the outside, it's something external to them. It's, it's the, the campus, it's the professors or the other students or society around them that is causing the problems. And they, that's, that's who they blame. And this, this chasm between personal responsibility, because we know that we're born sinful and that we're depraved versus, versus believing that it's society's fault creates a huge huge disconnect in in our culture and and we are living in an age right now where rousseau has come home to roost i mean he was a philosopher in the 18th century 200 years ago but all of his thoughts all of his philosophy and his his work has finally fully come home to roost in our current culture and you can see it all around us so <laughs> <laughs> we can um we can blame Rousseau for what's going on in the world today. A lot of what's going on. And again, according to Rousseau, an individual is at his best when he is most truly himself, when he acts according to his nature. And that you see that in the LGBTQ movement. It's um individuals when they are being true to themselves, I'm being true to myself, 
that's when they are at their best. And, and that's a total product of Rousseau. And that's the age we're living in. It's, it's, it's whatever I truly feel I am. If I, if I feel like I'm a man trapped in a, if I feel like I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, then if I want to be my authentic self, I have to have a trans, I have to transition. I have to become Elliot Page. And so Elliot Page is a product of Rousseau. Elliot Page, Ellen Page becoming Elliot Page again is becoming, is, is because she is wanting to be her true self, which is a man. And that's why Time Magazine puts Elliot Page on the cover of, of the magazine because we live in a Rousseauian age and it is fraught with all kinds of, all kinds of problems. And Rousseau basically says the one who is truly free is the one who is free to be himself. And it just reminds me of that Marlo Thomas child's uh, album called Free to Be You and Me. And again, that that Marlo, that was, I don't know, put out in the 70s, I think. And that album, Free to Be You and Me, is is such a Rousseau, Rousseauian album. And Marlo Thomas probably didn't, wasn't even aware of that, but um, she was indoctrinated into that philosophy. So again, following your inner voice is what makes you truly authentic, according to Rousseau. And of course, in our culture, most people haven't read Rousseau, but we, his ideas are so profound and so influential that they are commonplace assumptions in our culture, in Western culture. And so Rousseau's philosophy is a critical precondition for the rise of modern identity movements, including the LGBTQ movement. Um, so identity politics, that's all a product of Rousseau. And also with Rousseau, there's this idea of innate innocence in the hypothetical state of nature. Man in his hypothetical state of nature, again, the noble savage, which pushes us towards this cult of childhood and youth. So we're obsessed with youth in our culture because youth or young people are closer to that state of nature, to that state of innocence. They haven't been so corrupted by society yet. And that's why we see people like Greta Thunberg becoming so prominent in our culture. People, Greta Thunberg, who opines over climate change, she is revered by the media and by, by politicians as someone to just reverently listen to even though she's an a 11, 10, 11, 12 year old child, everyone listens to her with bated breath because again, this is a Rousseauian effect because she, because she's hasn't been corrupted by society really yet. She's still close to that state of nature. She has so much wisdom and this is completely counter to what we used to believe. We used to revere people who were older that had wisdom and that had experience and people who had, we, we looked up to 
all our grandparents for wisdom. But now in our culture, we see old age as corrupt and myopic and behind the times and on the wrong side of history. And so there's a certain authenticity to youthful innocence. And that's, again, why Greta Thunberg is just absolutely held up as the the font of wisdom in our culture. And also in Rousseau's philosophy, there's an anti-historical tendency. In other words, history is bad because history is is uh is a story of corruption of of society corrupting the man in the state of nature and so history becomes the history of corruption and the oppression of human nature it ceases to be a source of wisdom but rather a tale of woe according to carl truman and again that's where we get the idea of being on the right side of history which is i always laugh at that that phrase or that that concept because being on the right side of history has such an irony to it because you're looking to history, which you reject, but you want to be on the right side of it. So it doesn't make any sense. So being on the right side of history, for example, means we have to overthrow traditional marriage because that's, that's corrupt and that's, that's historical. So, and, and, but Rousseau is anti-historical. And so uh, traditional marriage must be overthrown. And that's what we're seeing now. And we're seeing so much damage to marriage, so much damage to the family, so much. um, And again, I always say this, the, the damage to the family and the damage to the breakup of the family, the breakup of marriage is the is the cause of the root cause of so many societal ills, homelessness mental illness, uh, depression, suicide, um, all kind of uh, incarceration, all kinds of societal ills can be traced directly back to broken families. But those broken families can be traced back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau. So we'll get into more of Carl Truman's book next week and, and get into other figures, other historical figures who have shaped the way we think today, have kind of destroyed the way we think today. And speaking of, by the way, speaking of memoirs and confessions, I wrote my own confessions. And I know a lot of you have read it, but I just want to plug my book for a second, Uh, A Change of Affection, A Change of Affection, A Gay Man's Incredible Story of Redemption. Now, I even if you've read it, just please buy it and give it to a friend. Uh, I just it'll just help. It's very helpful, and I think um, my whole purpose in writing this book, the whole reason I wrote this book, was to edify the church, was to help Christians understand the issue of homosexuality biblically, theologically, culturally, and personally. And so, pick up this book, give it to a friend. And so we'll we'll get more into this book next week and more of the historical figures who have shaped the culture that we live in today. So thank you for joining today. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. And I will see you next week on the Becca Cook Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. 
Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.